I think we're a little heated up about today's topic, if I'm honest. <laughs> I. Why do I always start every podcast laughing? It's because I do. look at Elise and she's like, oh, buddy. Today's topic, I think, is something I'm actually shocked we have not talked about this episode before or this topic before. Um, being three professional women in both a traditional and I would say non-traditional workspaces yeah, throughout our careers. Kind of, we've, yeah, we've all mm-hmm. kind of done it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we have a really vast experience with, I guess, how our gender is perceived, real or perceived in the workplace. And that's kind of what we're going to break down today and how that ties into professionalism. Yeah. Yeah. And what started this idea for me was the concept of deprofessionalizing spaces um, and not meaning not having any sort of standard for performance, but more relaxing the standard of physical expectation that seems undue in juxtaposition to what you're actually doing. Like it's not necessary. Mm -hmm. Like Alyssa, you were bringing up like how teachers need to move around. I'm not going to wear a suit. Yeah. I remember when I was an undergrad and I was getting ready to do my student teaching. And in my head, I was like, I need dresses. I need dress pants. I need heels. I need all these things. I'm a professional woman. Look at me almost done with my college degree going into the teaching field. And like day one student teaching, my feet hurt so bad. I had the school I was in had no air conditioning. I'm in these hot dress pants. Um, And you were in the city too, weren't you? I was in the city. I was on the third floor of a building with no air conditioning sweat stains sweat stains (laughs) shout out to co-star and their do and don't list (laughs) mine today was sweat stains it's it's a thank you so much fantastic astrology app (laughs) it's quite funny (laughs) anyways you were saying no i just remember thinking i had to look a certain way and i had gotten pressure for it too because um i student taught in chicago public schools and they send you out a list of things you can and cannot have and at the time, I had a nose ring, and I loved my nose ring. But you could you look not, so cute with it. Too. I, you could not have a nose ring, so I had to take it out. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to deal with like a spacer and all that. Yeah. Um, you weren't supposed to have tattoos showing. You weren't supposed to have any kind of like multi-colorful hair things. You, um, like I had like a bunch of earrings all up and, and down my ear. That was only ten years ago. I was literally just yeah. going to say it's amazing to me how much the world has changed well, in and ten years. Chicago. I'm not talking about like. I went right. in Bloomington, Illinois, which is like farm town in Illinois. And I went to Chicago, a major city, and I worked on the south side. Like it wasn't like right. uppity north side or something. Sorry, north side. We love you. No, but, but I mean, I think they would sure. say that there's a higher standard of yeah. living, which means there's more of a colonialized expectation mm-hmm. of so, appearance. But, you know, then you've already fallen into this trench if I have to look this way and my money has been spent. I don't have money to come in and be like, oh, I guess I shouldn't have worn this now. Because you were trying so hard to impress somebody with what I was wearing in that moment. And my idea of what a professional teacher should look like. But yeah, teaching, you're moving around. You're running around, collecting worksheets, checking on kids, doing small groups, up and down stairs. Like, you need to be comfy. I want to hit on something you said in that sentence just now of impressing someone. Um. And why that's a priority for us in the workplace. Like I, cause my experience with professional dress, I'm using air quotes came as, um, 
a piece of advice that someone gave me as I was heading into an interview. I was like preparing for an interview with a female um, manager and someone who worked with her who knew I was interviewing for this position was like, don't dress up too fancy because she won't hire you because she's going to find you intimidating, blah, 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 all of these other reasons. And I literally had to like rethink my entire persona because I tend to dress a little bit more not formally but like I always confidently you have style it's having a style that's Mm -hmm. it I have I do have a style problem yeah and so that's how I ended up getting that job and my entire like the taste in my mouth of that advice was always there if I dress too nice today is she gonna treat me like shit right it's always in the back of your mind and then when I started like wearing like colorful lipsticks to this job it, yeah, um, it's always in the back of my mind like who's thinking of me in a particular way and what does that do it distracts you from your work it distracts you from being an efficient effective employee because you're thinking about stupid stuff that actually Wait, doesn't does have anything to do from being a professional, professional mm-hmm. worker so that's why i have this big question of what is being professional then it's you know hitting standards set by your work contract right if you're in a traditional sort of work engagement um or if you're in an interview or you're having just a speaking engagement or you're networking at a networking opportunity or happen to go into talking shop with someone that you think could be advantageous to know, you know, like normal social conversations, what is professional? And I had that, I had the same issue too, Elise, with the idea of being intimidating and one, I have a very sharp face I have a very defined face I naturally look like I'm thinking very hard and I love that thank you so much and I remember when I took my first library job I because we were working with the public so much it's not that I'm being unprofessional but I just had to be aware of my natural presence might have an effect on, on people that's that's one thing but then to be told that my natural self is unprofessional, is mm-hmm. deeply offensive, mm-hmm. is it, my face cannot be changed. I mean, it can, but it will not be changed. And then even if I'm wearing the most professional makeup, the most professional workplace appropriate attire set by that workplace, and just because I look down and have a heavier brow, I look up and now I'm unprofessional, or suddenly I give you a bright smile and you're disarmed, you're forgetting about that. You know, like there's that next link to compensate for what I'm already self-aware of, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember that in interviews too of, well, what do they want from me? And at some point that's fine. You have to assimilate somehow to show that you would fit within a work culture. To a degree, yeah. If that's a job you want, right? right. And well, you put I, more effort towards that. I think it's interesting. We're all bringing up interviews too. Because there are things like you're saying, this is my face. This is mm-hmm. how I look. This is what I bring to the table. Um, and I think interviews are so packed with emotion because you tend to go to an interview, uh, something you want, you want this job or whatever it is. And to me, when you guys are talking, I was thinking about when I got my first full-time teaching job, um, of things I wanted to hide. I had my son, my oldest son, when I was 23, I got out of college. I did not get a teaching job right away. And I was really upset about it. Um, just kind of really hit my ego. Like, literally, I was still in the hospital after having my son when I got a phone call from the principal from this school. 
asking if I wanted to come in for an interview. Oh my gosh. And I wanted a teaching job so bad. And now we had a baby. The jobs we got out of college were not enough to pay our bills. So I said, yes. So I had had a baby like two weeks after, (gasps) like right before I went to this interview. And I remember trying to hide the fact that I had just had a baby because I wanted to get hired and not have somebody think she just had a newborn. And my child was six weeks old when I went to go start this job. But I remember I went out and bought a new shirt that was kind of bigger because after you have a baby, I mean, your, your baby tummy is still there. And your body's moving around. It's just, and, and I, I breastfed. So I remember putting in extra like nipple pads like to make sure that the interview, I didn't leak. So you're not sitting in this interview with like leaky boobs, letting everyone know I have a newborn at home because I wanted the job, but I didn't want someone's assumption to already be laid on me. And it's insane. About, and to assume something about and the way my body And put you only looked. in the category of, oh, that's a new mom. It's You must be the one who stays home. That a mother's status or a woman's status as a mother would be somehow something that we even remotely perceive would negate us from a job. Can you believe the emotional endurance Alyssa had to go into a fucking job interview? Well, after do you know how many women do this every day? Oh my God. This is a pervasive problem in our country. Ooh, we can but mad. the problem is, is it's so built in at a young age. 100%. Never, honestly, sitting here now is like the moment where I'm like, that was kind of effed up, wasn't it? Really but it was like up. in that moment, you're like, no, damn it. I worked hard to have my career. I'm going to get my career. I'm going to have a baby and I'm going to get the interview. But we're so you so feel yourself a badass because you have to fight something that's not fair. And right. what's more fucked up is that you had to do that after having a newborn. Mm-hmm. You should have been able to stay home with your newborn. But I would have never. For you would never have gotten a job. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. you can't. Because not only that, you know, jobs are few and far between at the time. Right. Right. Job market was was this was 2013. We had just like hit another recession. Right. Right. And it was like, finally, all the jobs are filled and no one can make anymore. Everyone our age was working two jobs. Right. Yeah. And I just. Wow. That there's just so many layers of fucked up. I don't know which one to focus on right now. (laughs) Like I'm I'm literally just looking at Alyssa like I. uh, Yet another story. But it's just one of those things like you're saying, I haven't thought about it being screwed up until right this moment. I'm hearing your stories. I'm like. Ew. That is it's messed ew. up. Oh, that is. But I think it's Did become... Did a man have to think about that? Except for, is his shirt not wrinkled no. that day? It's But it's the things that are so, like, unconsciously with inside our own heads yep. that we don't even realize that it's not okay. It's ingrained Women patriarchy. Women are used to hiding things the second they get their period. The second you get your period, everything has to be hidden. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not so much that way anymore today, mm-hmm. but certainly when we, again, I'm, I'm 31. We're at the tail end of yeah. just being secretive and being pushing through despite any kind of like physical it's ailment. Not despite it just is. Yeah. Like we pushed through it. We ignored it because no one, no one else was going to give us any kind of help or like lenience for something we were biologically experiencing. And then that carries into the workplace. 100%. 51% of the population is experiencing this. Why right. can't we all just be normal about it? Right. Thank you. Technically. Yeah. Hi, I need to take a bathroom break. Don't ask me why it's right. not unprofessional. I'm not interrupting. I need a bathroom break. Mm-hmm. Ooh. And then going I remember back being to told that in an, in a meeting, that's insane. It's really unprofessional to do that right now. And I'd be like, great. You want to know what's more unprofessional? Me bleeding through the middle of this it's pick well, it's your like, poison again here. like many times after but a yet woman the faults has on me no matter what 100 <laughs> percent. but like 
going back to motherhood, sometimes when you have a baby, you cannot hold your pee in. Yeah. So I'm sorry, the minute you feel it, guess what? You got to get up and go, would you like me to pee in my seat right now? Let's talk about how professional that would be. Mm-hmm. Sounds like a great It's time. like we have no, there's no standard set for for actual like compassion to all humanity. Yeah. And I think, you know, in a good way, the pandemic has changed that just mm-hmm. a smidge. I would agree. Because for the first time, all of us are experiencing something that's very difficult and very various different layers depending on who you are, right? And particularly with getting the vaccine and, oh, I need a day off because I'm going to have vaccine side effects and that's normalized. Oh, everybody should have that day off or maybe the next day and have that be normalized. I'm not going to lose my job because I'm getting vaccine for my job. And just having that be normal because Mm -hmm. that's like what everybody is going through and just have it be universal was just... Just yeah. normal that you're not feeling you're well. You're human. So you should stay home right now. And you don't need to make an excuse and you're not weak. And people can go on without you in your position of work and you're not unprofessional. Right. Like, and then I, I, I liken that to taking your kid to the doctor if you need to be late one day. You know, and this is probably more pervasive in American society, right? Mm-hmm. But... I, I think of how many times, like growing up, my mom was like, "I don't, I don't know if I can take a doctor's appointment for you. I have to go to work right away. Like, there's no time for lunch. There's yep. no time for no time to prioritize health." I remember her looking at the watch the whole time, like, "I'm going to get in trouble at work because I had a doctor's visit." And my mom is the unprofessional one, and not meaning like my dad didn't take me to doctor's appointments too, but nine times out of ten, it was my mom. Mm-hmm. Why did my mom take on that labor? Why mm-hmm. was my mom's job at risk? Mm-hmm. And she was naturally more high risk of losing her job too. It's just wild to me. Yeah. Wild. She's not unprofessional. She's being a good mother and a good human. Taking me to a doctor's appointment. Right. What do you know? And I think the vaccine is an interesting point of normalizing, accepting the need to care for one's own self. Mm-hmm. Because in that moment, everyone had to own that value. And that hasn't been able to be the case for certain, like, female proclivity, like, biological things we've dealt with in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And, again, like, going back to the pandemic sort of levelizing. Levelizing? I like it. Is that a word? Levelize. I'll go with it. Evening the playing field? Elise Martinez. Oh, dear God. Levelize. Levelizing. (laughs) That's the episode title. No, I'm kidding. Yes, Um, it is. Levelize. The professional (laughs) workplace. (gasps) <laughs> um, damn it! I lost my train of thought. I'm it was sorry, worth it. Guys. <laughs> was it worth it? It was worth oh, it. Well, well, I was. I was just gonna say. I think we, we've we've seen that since everyone's been home, kids, parents, everyone's been home. Men or people who were not in traditional, you know, role taking roles in their family, finally had to be like, wow, this is fucking hard. Like really got a first taste of what some people have experienced on top of being a full-time working professional. You cannot juggle those two things and mm-hmm. be successful at both. It's really hard. But women, we've been, ex- we've been trained from day one that that's something that you're going to have to. You're going to have more responsibility. 100%. And you're going to have to shut up about it. And, and unfortunately. about it. Every, well, every step like, of the way. I think we're partly to, the, to blame for that too because we've been told by other women that we can't have it all that we oh, can't do it all ingrained the patriarchy 100%. in yes. into it it's unlearning we're 100 unlearning right now and you know that's 
into consideration too how many stay-at-home dads there are nowadays. Absolutely. You know, compared to. I mean, there's a there's definitely a shift. Mm-hmm. But the weight, I mean, when you talked about the pandemic and, you know, hybrid learning or virtual learning, yeah. it was shown that women were quitting their jobs to do yeah. teaching at home, not the men. And I don't always want to, I just want to throw this out there because... I mean, my husband and I made the choice. I mean, I was home teaching so I could be with our son here. There are men out there who would in a heartbeat. But also, I think we need to look at like, oh, when it comes down to wage, my husband makes more money. Yep. Mm -hmm. I can't have him stay home because I need his money. Why does he make Mm -hmm. more money? Mm -hmm. Because he's got a -a ding-a-ling. Sorry. No. Oh, don't. But but when you think about why were women leaving jobs, jobs were, well, you earn less. Okay, another problem. Well, Let's I think, discuss. I think <laughs> also, like, workplaces use the fact that we are technically more costly. We have children. We have more health care needs. And somehow that's our fault. I would also say there are some jobs, though, that are also more, quote-unquote, forgiving of women to not do their work right now to help with their children. And I think men feel that pressure. They would not get that right now. You know what? I... Mm. I think I might have to disagree with that. I think people are more yeah, sympathetic to men who take on the additional I, labor. Mm-hmm. I, oh, he's I'll, taking care of his kids right now. Maybe yeah, it's, more it's like a pat on the back kind of thing. Yeah. I feel like the career was more willing to give the women, oh, yeah, you can step back from your career. We'll keep your job. But if you can't do all your work right now, if this is too much for you because you've got your kid then I'm willing not to let you keep growing during this so, time. So you're saying that well, I'll let it's, you say it's stagnant. patronizing. I'll let you say stagnant right okay. now while you handle this. Where like, I think men who might have been dealing with kids virtually, because there are those men who are doing that. I just kind of oh, want to yeah. point that out. Oh, As course. like a virtual teacher, there are a lot of dads. At We're just mostly rage speaking and the, the injustices yeah. that do exist while hopefully acknowledging that there are the good in the world. Where my point was more like a man's job could be like, oh, you're helping your kids too? You're not going to have to stay stagnant this last year and a half. Oh, I see what you're saying. We love that you're trying to handle both. Women have been handling it both for decades gotcha. and decades. I'm but right you're doing with you. great with that. So we'll make exceptions here while you handle the math test. But like you could still do yeah, these Yeah, so we things. are saying the same thing essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I think like it's too blatant to be like, all women quit their job to stay home with their kids. I mean, not all women, but I think there's a lot of careers who are like, well, we can't technically let you go because of everything that's happening, but we're not really going to help you keep moving forward either. And Mm -hmm. a year lost in a career, that's a hard hit to take. And to go back in. Yes. So that was my only point. After all of this economically, you think people are going to be with no wage increase? Well, and what about the emotional take? So women can stay home with their kids. You get all this time. My son went back to in-person this week. And the emotional take that took these last two days of like not being near him. And I've always been a working mom. But like, it's not like every job is going to understand the emotional toll. It's not acknowledged. It's unprofessional. And what's going to keep, you're going to have to keep jumping in. It's unprofessional. Don't bring your emotions into this. Women are emotional. So. Hi. So when you get heated and yell at me in a meeting. Are you too emotional, sir? Yeah. Just wondering. Can you tell we've all had some experiences? Yeah. And that's another thing we want to say is that we're speaking passionately right now because we've had immense hurts in the workplace and seen our friends hurt and hear stories of other women hurt. Repeatedly. And and non-binary folk hurt and people who take care of children hurt. 
and being docked in their professional careers and have it equate to they aren't competent. You know, like because you are authentic as a human and forthcoming as a human, you aren't competent. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I guess I didn't realize how I didn't, I, I, technically I wasn't really smart as a young professional going, I worked for a high-end spa and it was, you dress up in a suit, like you have to look professional. You have to wear all black and a blazer and a pencil skirt and a blouse and a certain color. Like it was very image driven, which Mm -hmm. you're in a spa and it's high end. I get it. But I remember wanting to move up and I was working two jobs and freelancing makeup artistry. And the women were so tough on the women Mm -hmm. because the customers were so tough on the women and the customers were anyone. Right. But because they, the customers were of an environment where it's corporate, where it's, you know, power, high earning jobs, which tend to be more, you know, strict in, in what professionals look like. They expected that from anywhere they went and were spending a good dime on. So anytime I developed my professional attitude, if I made one mistake, ooh, it was, it was really bad. And the amount of stress I went under as a young professional w- was heavy. And I remember someone in a high position went over to me and they said, well, I see you're in this position now and there's some positions going up, but I don't think you can handle it. Do you think you can handle it? <laughs> and I said, no. Not that I couldn't handle it professionally because I don't want to handle what you're throwing at me. Mm-hmm. I'm not incompetent. I don't want to handle more abuse essentially right. was what I was saying. And I didn't even know that's what I was saying at the time. Mm-hmm. Well, and I remember that person being like figures. It's so disheartening to, I mean, just knowing you guys, as long as I have, we all kind of started off when you first had that little like dream of being a professional and mm-hmm. having the career. And so like knowing Elise and Madeline, when that little kernel started and then, when you are learning and training and doing whatever to get into that career, it's all about this developing your skills to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. But then when you get into this quote unquote professional workforce, it's more about, do you meet all of my check boxes? Mm -hmm. Yep. Did you make everything perfect today? Did you arrive on time? Did you look this way? Did you do what I told you instead of, did you display to me the skills you worked hard to develop? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And as well as do what needed to be done. Right. But it's just disheartening because I think, when you enter the professional world and you really have a desire to be a part of it, not just doing the daily grind, we have a society that beats it out of you. 100%. And so you just, you keep passing, you keep ingraining it into younger generations because your soul has been killed. So even just yeah. hearing you say that, mm-hmm. yeah. I remember how excited you were when you got that job and how quickly it turned around. And I can say that for all of us, when we got a job, we were like, yes, we're so excited. And, and I was like, damn Ooh. good at that job. Oh, yeah, I was no doubt. damn good at that job. I, I think about how when we're professionals and we're expected to hit a certain bar of performance and I had every intention of being everything they needed and wanted. Mm-hmm. And I tried my hardest to be everything they needed and wanted and still wasn't good enough. Mm-hmm. And how cruel is that? Yeah. When you're literally hitting on the marks and like 
you have a good rapport with customer. Like you're literally doing everything you can in retail or public facing jobs or even in corporate jobs. Like and if you're doing literally your absolute best and you're hitting all the standard marks, but yet there's still something off about you and it's just not quite right. And it's just, I remember being told I couldn't wear combat boots because it's so intimidating. And I remember thinking, no, you're just intimidated. Mm-hmm. Not my problem. Right. Again, it goes back to that style, right? Nah, I look good. <laughs> <laughs> like it really, but I, I, I didn't, and it wasn't until now I realized like, like I felt so bad about myself, mm-hmm. but now I'm thinking like, no, she was kind of kick ass and she was kind of being abused in many workplaces that I was at, mm-hmm. but that's only because everybody else feels like they were abused and it's like a cycle. It's like, I feel like younger people are like, let's get through this together. And, um, older people end up being like, well, it is how it is. (laughs) Yeah. And that's just because, and that's not generational. I think that's just as people age in general. Right. You become tired. You become tired. Yeah. And professionalism, expectations, all of that changes. Yeah. Especially when it comes on women too. I was going to say, we've just, we're tired of balancing a million things that were never really meant to be balanced. That were, we have to compartmentalize every part of our identity wherever we are. Mm-hmm. And that's an exhausting existence. That's well said. Compartmentalizing your identity is exactly what we're doing. Mm-hmm. I feel like, obviously, I've felt a lot of things this episode, but. How much is my hair color going to affect my professionalism? I understand, and at least you're kind of the expert on this, but when it comes to like being a representative of a brand, I also very much understand that. And having like a uniform and like you want to be identifiable as a worker in a workplace. Like I get that. Like mm-hmm. that makes sense to me. But to have a nose ring. Right. But where does identity well, how much can my workplace control my identity? Mm-hmm. Is that affecting my service and, and the, the morals and ethics that the company is wanting to give? Why does the branding extend to the person? Why can't it stop at the logo in the, in the uniform? Isn't that enough? Like, I think of the discrimination in hairstyle. Well, I think that's so, that's so deeply ingrained in, like, American culture, period, mm-hmm. that when you get... I mean, I think it stems back to like post-war America. Like you got this job and it was a job that you settled into for the rest of your career and you could afford to do that because jobs paid well. Life was more simple. It gave benefits. It gave benefits. You could pay for your whole family to have health insurance, put your kids through college, your wife could stay home, blah, blah, blah. And so we, you know, now that we're like in this like 21st century moving out of that mentality where nobody stays at a job their entire career oftentimes it's impossible you you would take on the role of that company you would take on that company's identity because they were supporting your life so before this episode started we were talking about you know as Badalyn brought up these brand archetypes and there's 13 different types I won't go into all of them you can google that if you're interested but you know if you work for a company that has this mentality of being the sage which is someone who's like you're it's probably a doctor's office a research facility definitely a library would be like that sage Mm -hmm. archetype you're going to dress very differently you're going to be very different than you would be if you worked for a company like google that's more of like fun upbeat like information purveyors it's a little bit different and it's quirky right yeah 
the the corporate atmosphere is just very much more lax and how especially when it boils down to one's gender like how what is your responsibility to take on that identity as yourself and I think today it's a little bit less pervasive Mm -hmm. but we still feel it like I know definitely when I was working I worked for a I worked for Victoria's Secret when I was in in college and I had a very similar experience to you with the previous job you were explaining like you were that company's identity in every interaction. Didn't matter you how low had. you were paid or how many hours no. you got. <laughs> and it's like, and the company makes money off of you assuming that identity on their behalf. Like customers would come in and assume that I got commission because I was working so hard to make this sale of three lotions for $25. No, I don't get commission. But I what just I don't do get, get at that day. Yes. <laughs> what I do get is no abuse. I get to leave my shift when I was actually scheduled. Instead oh of, my gosh, right? Remember, did you have to like ask to leave? I'd be like, hey, it's seven o'clock. Like I have to remind you because you don't already know. You know what? That didn't really happen oh because it wasn't a ch- chain of where I worked at. Victoria's Secret oh, well, you was know what? a my straight other retail, up abusive company. My other retail job. I mean, I did I tell the story? I'm not sure if I told the story on the podcast on how I had to drive down for Black Friday three oh, hours. Yes. To, yes. Yeah. I still so, cry. Black right. Friday is still something I cannot participate in because of the <laughs> shit I had to deal with at right. this other yeah Victoria's right. Secret. Yeah. You assume I'm I'm so good at my job on, because I am. But also part of it is I'm working my ass off and stressing off and crying after work because I just don't want to get yelled at to cry harder after work. <laughs> yep. And like you said, it doesn't matter how hard you try. You will do one thing that's completely innocuous, completely separate from your position at this job and be demonized Can for I it. Can I please just wear teal lipstick to make myself well, feel better through this process? Thank you. I had a manager once, you know, I, like I said, I worked at Victoria's Secret through college and by the time I got to my senior year, I went to a college that I had to write and present a thesis for in order to graduate. It's not typical with undergraduate, but it does happen. And I went to a college that required that of me. Doing that was to this day, other than having a child, was one of the hardest things I'd ever had to do in my life. The amount of preparation it took, it really stretches you. That's the point. And I cut back my work hours drastically to make make room for this thing that really mattered to me and I knew would pay How forward dare you? in my professional career. How dare you? And one day I'm at work, I'm doing my business, I had a great day. This manager calls me in, sits me down in her office and I'm like, what did I do? This doesn't happen to me. I'm like never late for work. I like I I'm not that kind of employee. So I'm thinking I'm running through my head, what did I do? What did I do? Immediately going to performance in my mind, you know. And she's like, you know, I've just noticed that ever since you got married, you've really cared a lot less about your position at this store. No joke. This is what she said to me. And she went on and on and on about how like she's so disappointed and she, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I literally held up my hand because I was, first of all, like, I need to get out of this office because, like, I'm about to start crying. I was, right. like, 22. And crying is unprofessional. And no I matter already, if it's a natural response. I already don't cry in front of people. Right. So I'm like, I'm not about to give this bitch this satisfaction. <laughs> <laughs> and I held up my hand because that's all I could do. And I said, has my work performance changed at all? Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying I've just noticed... And I got up and I left. That is it. Damn, baby Elise. It was like, it just snapped. I freaking snapped. Like, I had given everything to this company. I was never, again, it was like the culture was so rigorous. You did not show up late. late. You did not call in. 
the things. This is not a bitching session about past employees, but man, like I am, I'm just still not over some of the things that I had to witness on but that But that's job. what you carry with you into every you professional really experience you in really that do. fear. Like having a fear-based professional experience in order to create professionalism yes. for yourself well, and the appearance. Like I remember when I decided to finally be me and not care. Yeah. And I'm now in a extremely supportive work situation and the weird thing about it is I'm waiting for the shoe to drop. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, Completely. what is that? That's I keep, exactly what I'm experiencing I right now. I keep thinking to myself, like, I don't deserve this, do I? I literally, shout out to Kathy, I literally <laughs> want to, like, sit in my boss's office and be like, am I bad at my job? <laughs> like... Like I literally, I texted her and I was like, look, are you, are you, are you going to be at work on Thursday? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, do I tell her now? Do I ask her now? And my, my intention was to ask her, am I bad at my job? Cause you no. never hear it because, yeah. but it's not only that. It's just like, no, I'm not bad at my job. We're in a pandemic. I'm not and in my workplace as much mm-hmm. and I'm in grad school. So I'm not thinking about work as much and I feel guilty about it. <laughs> That's why I'm not doing off hours work. (laughs) Yeah. Like I just, I'm not used to being supported in the workplace. Yeah. And I'm not used to being, I I mean, don't get me wrong. Like I've worked hard, but I've been in positions where I've worked hard as well and nothing happened. I didn't move up in the ranks. I made $0 more per hour. You were beat down more because you right. were doing well. I made enemies in the workplace. Like, it, like I'm, I'm not experiencing any of that. I just want everybody to know, as me and Elise are, like, staring intently <laughs> into each other's eyes, Alyssa's just over there, like, nodding her head, like, fuck yeah. Like, yes. yes. Well, I'm thinking. Absolutely. Because you're in, in the same situation. Well, in teaching, you don't. I don't have like customers or, or, or patrons or anything like that. But in teaching, you have parents. Right. Oh, mama. And I mean, sometimes I have to hold myself back. Being a teacher mama is probably, we're probably the worst of the worst. And you have to like hold back. But at my previous school, they would just let parents say whatever you want to. And you're like, I am a professional adult. I'm not going to be abused here. Be sitting, but. You take it because I'll be sitting, I can, oh my gosh. I remember one meeting sitting and I, I worked in a very rough school. Rough is not the adjective that mm-hmm. describes this school. That's the most diplomatic way. But it say. was a very rough school. Going back to when I was pregnant with my second, apparently all my stories came when I was <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> There's well, something about having no, that belly it, it that is. makes you a target. No, I mean, when you have a <laughs> oh child in this country, you really understand the inequities that you're facing. And it's so, a unique it's experience. Let, let me backtrack. Shout in out this, to our mama sode. There right. you go. In, in this rough school, I would have to break up fights pretty often. When you're pregnant, go figure you shouldn't do that. But one of the things they would know is I work in a middle school. So when you have the passing periods, that's when altercations would happen. So they would always ask teachers to kind of be outside their door, kind of watching the hallways, greeting kids as they came into your classroom. And when I was pregnant, I was like, I'm not going out in the hallway. Because even if I didn't stop the fight, all out brawls have no, no one's containing them. They could go anywhere. I was like, I'm not going in the hallway. I'll stand inside my door and greet students. But my big old self is not going out in that hallway when there are students there. And I remember getting an email saying that I needed to be out in the hallway and me being like, no, no, what are you going to do about it? No, straight up. No. Right. 
This is the health. Are you serious? Oh, yes. Because where I was located, my classroom door was near the office, which is where we take and restrain all the children to carry them into the office. So because admin was able to see you. Admin wasn't out in the hallway. Well, I mean, you're by the office. Yeah. Right? You're more visible to be shown why you're wrong while they're sitting in their office. While they're sitting in their office. Because now I'm picturing this hallway. That's exactly what's happening. (laughs) So you see my pregnant ass. You come out. Watch my door. As former librarians of this school district, we 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 can see this hallway in our mind. We had a library as well. Yes, we did. We're just going to call this episode rough. (laughs) (laughs) The levelizer. Levelizer. (laughs) The rough rough. levelizer. Um, But the other time, I remember, so you you had some real rough parents. And I remember sitting in this conference room. And this mother was upset that her child had gotten written up for something. Um, and I remember sitting there with two of my vice principals, um, this mother and like my co-teacher and her saying in this meeting, she was going to cut me up. <gasps> She's going to cut me up. She was going to take her earrings out. She was going to come get me. No one defending me. No one saying you can't talk to her like that. That's okay. You need to leave. What? I was not pregnant during this meeting. I went on and put that one. Still, that's but just human decency. It's human decency. But in my mind, what do I say? They're not going to remove this child from my classroom, so I'm stuck with this mom all year. If I and say if anything, stand up now, am I going to get written up? Oh, and at the point, I God. wanted to leave the school. I was like, I don't want anything against me because I'm trying to get out of this place. Mm-hmm. So you take abuse. So you take it to get so less you abuse. So you can try to get out of the abuse. But then not only but that, no one you wants have to, to take there. you because you were you were stuck in the rough school. Everyone's like, who knows what she's bringing? But then it's like, is this person serious? Like how? Like you don't know. People are crazy. Then you look Apple tree apple mm-hmm. tree and it's kind of then you're yeah. it's a whole new cycle you're like this is just a losing battle because maybe i ignore you and just keep helping your kid but honey your influence is bigger and better than my Absolutely. kid than i can give to your right, kid right so i'm just sitting here looking at like levels of yeah. my professionalism still can't help this child get out of this mess mm-hmm. while you're threatening and me. no one's thinking of the kid no Right. No one's thinking of anyone else except I'm going to be quiet so this woman doesn't come after me. Even though we're in a professional setting with a whole hell of a lot of degrees sitting around the table. Whole lot of experience. But the parent controls the situation. Now, I will say, I'm in a different school. and But I still have that thought. Some parent's going to come in and try to eat me alive and they're going to just let the parent. Mm-hmm. you're just working by fear mm-hmm. i'm you you're always expecting and i've been at this new school two uh, years three th- i'm finishing my third okay but admins never let that happen to me the parents don't do it because they know it's not allowed in this school right they, there's expectations there's and expectations standards. there's standards That's professional standards your, your teachers yeah. are protected but when you come in with basically ptsd in the situation 100 percent. you're always expecting i was telling elise they were like we're going back to like in person. They're checking our technology needs. They're like, okay, would anyone like a tablet? Would that help you easier in in person? What, and I remember the being shoes like, dropping. The same we both were of, like incredulous. What? Like and they I was asked like, you what you needed. I was like, I don't, I don't think I need a tablet. But they're offering me technology. Is it weak if I say yes? Right. So I'm like, maybe yeah. that's it. Yes. Do you put okay. that on my bill? So yes. I'm. A, I was already is planning. This a later grudge to be held. Something I've had to learn in this position is We're how to actually. We're pointing fingers at each other. Yeah. Famously. We're all like trying not to jump too far away We're from the, the no, mic. We are the, the living Spider-Man, Spider-Man meme. Yeah. <laughs> Wait. 
wait. No, but literally, I've I've had to learn how to ask for help. And and do so and you are not I'm <laughs> sweating the whole damn time. She's sweating now. Oh God. I don't like asking for help, period. So I mean it was fine with me that I was conditioned not to do that. I was like, great, I'll figure it out on my own. But now I'm in a position where if I don't do something right, shit gets fucked up. I remember when Elise was starting this job, I was like, Elise, remember you can ask for help because we came from the really traumatic abuse the same like, no, exact work environment. Like yeah, we worked we in the same place. And I was like, Elise. So this is what's going to happen when you're in a nice, supportive work environment. You're going to cry over things that don't exist. Oh, my God. Ask for help. Yeah. We have to be coached into positivity. We have to be coached into positivity. I literally won't accept that yeah. things are good in fear that they will turn bad. Yeah. I just can't. Yeah. And having your like manager ask you how you like to receive feedback is also like a revelation. <laughs> I don't know. I've never thought about that before. Like, I'm sorry. What? Can I get back to you? Yeah. And like every week, one thing I really love about what, what we do is that every week we have to fill out this form of like, first of all, let's be accountable. What didn't we get to last week that we need to this week? What's something you're excited about tackling this week? How can I best support you this week? Uh, what? And is when you a, don't put trick? something, they, they, they message you on the side like, hey, are you sure? Like, how you doing? Like, mm-hmm. well, and that, <laughs> that shows you. I know. Well, but it's like a gem too. Yeah. Because I know there are those of you who are listening right now. You're like, I've never had that kind of work experience. I was, so I told you we're getting back to go, we're getting ready to go back to in-person this week. And last week we were supposed to just kind of post independent lessons for our students so we can come have a staff appreciation. Mm. And I was driving down there. I was literally marcoing Elise. Like I was like, I hate these stupid appreciation things. They give me so much anxiety. I don't want to do that. That was literally traumatizing though. The, I the hate being appreciated. Oh, well, that one. But like we get there and what's that say? And I'm like, this is so unprofessional. It's during the work day. Like we can't take time to celebrate. But thankfully I had like a, actual professional boss not me who's been ingrained with stupidity we don't have time to i have celebrate. to work wow and it was oh, they had a man hard. with an accordion <gasps> that's amazing who like followed us around and like sang songs but my favorite part was because they took time to realize our hard work and professionalism and saw celebration as professionalism they made chromebook pinatas and they hung them outside the tree for all of our town Stop to see it. A bunch of teachers beating the shit out of Chromebook pinatas. And while we were doing it, the staff is yelling out, this is for you saying you turned in your assignments and we know you did it. This is for saying you read the book and we know you did it. This is for you saying your computer is out. Oh my gosh. Uh, Your computer is charged. Damn it. I know where your charger is. Oh my God. That is professional. But it was yes, professional it because you realize professionally, emotions matter. Yes. And that Let's was, say it again. Professionally, <laughs> emotions <laughs> matter. <laughs> That's such a woman thing we just did. No, I'm kidding. Oh, my gosh. That's How amazing. unprofessional. Wow. I Similarly, I, you know what this makes me think of is an account I started following called Change the Museum. And it's inside into the admin um, departments of various um, museums and cultural institutions. And it's anonymously set in and, you know, like just hearing how professionalism is defined and undefined and redefined based on the whim of what the administrator needs to have done for Mm. 
for them and their funding and their mm-hmm. appearances. Talk about appearances, mm-hmm. right? Notoriety of certain museums and things. And this right. isn't saying all museums are bad or messed up or anything, but it's the only outlet for people to actually explain what's going on and what's traumatic and what's abusive and da 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 da. And then there's places like Alyssa's workplace where you can just hit a Chromebook, pinata, and celebrate. I think that takes the cake. It was, and I didn't want to do it either. Once again, I was still like, I'm not doing this. I'm not getting in front of these people. Why? And like, then they made me. But Why is that? I would love a pinata of anything. Uh, can I have a pinata? Can I, actually, can I take a plexiglass anything once the pandemic is over and just smash, smash it in it. a room? Yeah. Oh my God, that would feel That would so be good. wonderful. That's what, ugh. That would feel really good. So right now I'm thinking is like, we're kind of buttoning this pod up is like going into the future. I, I, I mean, I've seen how I've grown and where I'm glad I've grown. I, I'm looking forward to creating a new environment as an older woman, you know, like growing up and possibly being a mentor or creating, helping to create and facilitate new environments of deprofessionalizing in this traditional sense. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Do you guys feel the same way? Yeah. It's funny that you say that I am actually interviewing someone tomorrow, my first solo interview. (laughs) (laughs) And I was thinking about that a lot today of just like, I I don't necessarily know that this answers your question, but just like, how do, how do I want to make her feel as someone entering this workplace? Because it's not just like, I'm not just here trying to figure out if she's the quote unquote right candidate. It's more like, what am I, what am I communicating about a myself as a professional, mm-hmm. allowing her to communicate about herself as a professional. And like, what am I saying about this? Like super supportive, like workplace I'm really excited about, but also realizing that there's like a lot of fear in this too, because it's going to be my first like direct mentorship role, I think th- to use your phraseology And I don't know, I'm still, I'm developing that. I'm developing that mentality of Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, I'm now like, I'm 30. So I'm still kind of on the younger spectrum of the workplace, Mm -hmm. but I am heading into that. Like You're an experienced professional, but Um, you're not a veteran professional. No. Right. It's going to be an interesting transition. I'm still, I'm still not settled in that yet. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's also a mindset to believe that you are the person now and I think who that's is where I'm interviewing struggling. someone and yeah. that is right. Right. That is the correct spot for you to be at. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just like, ugh. I don't know. I, and I think part of that's just, I don't know, just some personal self-confidence issues I need to work on for myself personally. Um, but then that's hard too. Cause it's like, okay, where do I not let that affect me professionally? Mm-hmm. Um, anyone else feel free to jump in. <laughs> Teaching is just a little bit different because I'm not like I'm directly over students over time. I'm never like over other teachers. Sometimes you can get like mentorship programs for like younger teachers. But I think overall, um, I want to change that people actually see teachers as professionals. Mm. I'm not just a mom who needs to work so I can get my summers off. Um, And I want people to see that teachers have a craft and a skill that they've had to hone in so nuanced and it doesn't matter if what you're wearing or your tattoos or what neighborhood you're working in um a teacher is a professional 
not someone to like walk on and tell what to do. Mm -hmm. I guess that would be my thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me, it's because I'm kind of straddling two careers. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I work in the library world and it really depends on where you're at and where your library is located on what kind of library presentation you, you have to help maintain. And I think settling into the fact that I've been in a job where I was hired for who I am because I decided at that interview and from there on to be weird, (laughs) to be quirky in that I have my position because I have those qualities and settle into that. And that, Anybody who is my becomes my coworker because I won't have anybody under me per se. Um, just continue to be more comfortable in myself, and hopefully that'll help invite others to be the form that they are, in whatever capacity, however forthcoming. They don't. It's not like your workplace is your family unless you have a family workplace. You know what I mean? Where that sort of company culture gets oversaturated. It's a work family. Well, no. Uh, you're paying me for my time and skill Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I'm setting healthy boundaries. However, I do want to create interpersonal relationships that can go beyond the office if I choose them Mm -hmm. to. And I want to be authentic to who I am, but apply my skills while keeping my personality, you know, and hopefully invite people to do that. Whether it's talking with an art curator or another professor in grad school or at the library, you know, I just want to be, okay with being me and being a little odd even though I'm getting blowback from it a lot Um, particularly in the art world which is really funny Um, but that's kind of how I want to deprofessionalize that 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 Mm -hmm. feels right to me and I think that's what I was trying to say with my answer like I want individuals to feel valued Mm -hmm. um, because I don't know. That's not really something that I felt until very recently in my professional career. Well, yeah. individuals valued and skills seen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For and sure. their complexities appreciated right. because their complexities Are you help them adapt better is? to those mm-hmm. tasks you need them to Absolutely. complete. Absolutely. Take mm-hmm. off the blinders. Yep. Yeah. See something more than what we just label it as. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you're working retail, don't treat your employees like it's a long time career. Like, that's my blanket advice for retail. Chef's kiss. Yeah. It's not on the shoulders of one part-time employee to make sure that you make a certain dollar amount per oh two God. hours. Sales goals. Sales goals are <laughs> the worst. Breathing. Would you like a JCPenney cares card? Oh, God. I don't. I, don't. I get $2 for every one I sell. I don't want Sorry. that. I don't want that. You want to know my favorite part, though? The place where I was told I couldn't wear combat boots. Guess what they were stocking that next season in oh that my store? God. All because of you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Combat boots. That's amazing. And then I oh, I remember getting that those boots in the box and having to stock them. And I remember turning to my boss and be like, aren't these so cute? And then I stock them. That's the thing. Like when you approach something authentically and you're just yourself, it all, you always win. Because mm-hmm. you are who you are and this is what you have to give to the world. And when you give that authentically... Mm-hmm. it's always, it's yep. good for everyone. It's a give and take. You yep. assimilate because you have a work contract, but then you always have to remember that you are a person mm-hmm. who's taking a work contract. You are not the work contract. Right. And know that there are good places with good professionalism. 
Absolutely. As we're sitting here, I know I was just looking around too. I was like, I literally noticed there's no candle. Yeah. We all just kind of hit us as we're trying to wrap yeah. this up. There's I'm no looking candle. at the table because I was thinking, did oh, you I see my panic? <clears throat> I was, I was like, oh, I didn't take a picture of the candle because usually I do that. And then I'm like, ah, it's gone. I even brought, bought a candle to bring, but you didn't bring it. No, Damn. that's how stoked we were to talk about this topic. We were That's like, true. jump into this. That's we don't true. even need like aromatherapy to calm ourselves. Yeah, afterwards. we do. Actually, we probably Actually, needed this. Yeah. We're, gonna, we're jumping to whiskey after this. But. I mean, I am currently drinking a hot toddy. Podcasting so, is hard. Yeah. You need a candle mm-hmm. because it's, it, you don't really understand this until you do it, but it is like reaching deep inside and pulling things out that you're like, oh, I forgot that that was there. This got real alien <laughs> real fast. <laughs> Oh my God! Leave it to Madeline. Sorry, Woo-hoo. I got concerned because she even so at least even did I the literally motions. did the motion. She did the reach down and up. I'm sorry. What am I supposed to do with that? That's true. I was literally because I, I was envisioning like reaching down my she's doing it esophagus. Again. I'm sorry. She's, she's doing, doing it. She's doing it again. I'll stop. I'll stop. So, an authentic ending. We don't have a candle, and we're not going to make it up. No, we're too tired for that literally we hope you've enjoyed this and we hope you can commiserate and feel validated and feel empowered all at once because sometimes you just need to talk about imposter syndrome i guess Mm -hmm. but Alyssa, how you feeling like a need a glass of wine okay we'll do that elise where can they find us (laughs) (laughs) We're at the same old place. We're on Facebook, The Charlatans Podcast, Instagram at The Charlatans Pod, and the good old fashioned email, charlatanspod at gmail.com. At gmail.com. Darker. Well, that's it. Have a good week, guys, and we'll see you guys on the next listen. The Charlatans Podcast is recorded and edited at Cellar Studio 39. Special thanks to Michael Lehman for creating our music and Max Young for original artwork.